Welcome to Not the Only Kids in the Hall podcast, podcast where we talk about each and every episode of Kids in the Hall. Uh, and today is no exception. But what is an exception? <laughs> We're doing the same thing. Tune in for this very special episode where we don't change a damn thing. What? This is kind of oh, kind of a different episode. Okay. Well, just because it's just you and me. It's just the bros. No guests. You know, that's true. No but May. I, 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 I'm, I'm sort of sad to report that this doesn't, I don't believe this qualifies as a, as a surprise or something unusual. This is all too common these days, and I'm sick of it, to be honest with you. I'm sick of it. <laughs> The three of us need to be on this podcast, and we should have high-quality guests each time that's and every true. time, and that's how we're going to draw an audience. I mean, me and you? Well, who would listen? Oh, this <laughs> yeah, is, we're this is awful. Yeah, this is terrible. So, look, I, I, I apologize to our regular listeners, and I hope that we can get back to you know the quality that we're known for as far as uh, programming and, and, and booking goes. Um, we will. And, Nick, we were just talking a little bit off mic. Why don't we just throw it onto the pod? We got these new episodes coming up. I know we've mentioned it before, but, you know, they're really, what, we're two weeks away from the premiere of the Amazon show? Uh, a little bit less than two weeks. They, they come out May 13th. Is that a Friday? I don't know. Uh, let me check. That is a Friday. So it's like, yeah, not this Friday, but next Friday. So uh, so perhaps we, ha- we haven't, you know, settled on anything, but let's pretend we have and tease our, <laughs> our audience. We're going to have some special apps coming up for those new, new shows. We're going to have some... Oh, they're, they're going to be special? That, uh, yes. <laughs> I'm making a bunch <laughs> well, of empty promises should, up top. Yeah. We should bring back on some of our Ooh. guests that are were big kids in the Hall fans. I like, know, like this. Uh, I like this idea. Frank Hell. Maybe Frank would be, be able to come back if he's not too busy. Or Frank, Sean O'Reilly. Uh, yeah. Um, Lita was one of our our better uh, in-depth guests, I would say. She really Lita was a great beyond. Lita was a great guest. She was. Lita was a great guest, but she she wasn't no. uh, a kids in the Hall she fan, She wasn't right? a lifer by any means. No, no. I'm just trying to rack my brain and go and, yeah. and, and remember who, who would was. be good. Yeah. Well, we had uh, Jastro, right? Your friend Chloe, who, who worked with the kids. Jastro, yeah. Um, Jastro, Lance, Chloe, and Chloe Kozer. Right. I mean, all of yeah. them, really. I mean, <laughs> oh, I mean, all of our. Oh, of course, Blood Band. If we could get oh, Blood Band course. back on, yes, be a yes. thrill. That would be a, a thrill. Um, well, look, I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. But, you know, the trailer excites it, me, and and that's. I mean, I don't want to. I don't want to. That's all I can say, really. The trailer excites me. I think that should be enough to get people excited. What about you, Nick? You, the trailer didn't really excite. I'm you. excited. The old people bothered that. you. The old their appearance bothered you. It didn't bother me. <laughs> um, it, it, but I, your ageism was showing through, older. as I recall. <laughs> but but you're here to say no. You 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 like them just the way they are. I like them just the way they are, That's and I, I I I I don't know why I wasn't as excited as you were. I don't know that, why that either. Seem to me that you were. But uh, but I. Well, what about it I was, didn't I, strike you? I mean, what, there were recurring characters. There was there was the whole attitude was was back in full force. Uh, all the original cast members are there doing their thing. Well, what 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 about it? Do you think was missing? Perhaps. Well, you know, maybe what maybe what part of it is it seemed like it's all going to be film sketches, no live sketches. Is that true? And, well, just from the trailer, there were no live sketches in the trailer, right? Mm. And I feel like we would have heard about, or I would have heard about it if they were, um, if they had been taping live sketches, you know, in front of an audience. That's true. I'm predicting some sort of like thing where the five, the five of them come out, um, 
It's five of them, right? And address the audience. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Right. And they come out and and yes, yes, exactly. Like, I, mean, I don't know if it's a real audience or not. There's some maybe crew there or some friends or similar to the pilot, as you as you often mention, where a lot of the audiences are stacked with their friends and family anyway. I'm sure they'll kind of have this sort of casual, like, isn't this great that we're in front of an audience intro? And then maybe stick to mostly so? film, as you're, as you're saying. Well, I, I, I think they have to nod to it in some way, right? It'd be so odd if they went fully no audience after all those years. I mean, that's kind of, that's what the show is, a live sketch show. I mean, they have some, as, as we've been over in your Nick's picks and, 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 and all these other film sketches, love their film sketches. I'm so happy that we're going to have an abundance of them in the new series. So don't get me wrong. Love it when they do that. Uh, but to completely subtract the live element uh, would be kind of a downer. Um, yeah, that, that, that's why I hope they don't, but, but I, I feel like I would have, I feel like that I would have known, I don't heard, know. it's not like, seen. it's not like, it's not like I'm, it's not like I am, uh, deep in the kids in the hall, uh, scene. Like I'm not, I'm not a beat reporter <laughs> on kids in the hall, but I feel like I would, I feel like I, I would have heard about, oh yeah, we're taping our episodes in front of a live audience or something, but, but you would have yeah, heard, but someone would have told you. Someone would have texted me. Somebody, right? yeah. I, somebody surely Nick, would have Nick. told me. <laughs> They're in also, the studio. There was just, no, just thought you should know. Thanks. There, there, just that there was nothing in the trailer made me makes me think that. And yeah. I wonder if they're going to do any monologues. I mean, they have to do monologues, right? That's such a big part of Kids in the Hall. But Oh, don't lose faith, It's just monologues Nick. addressing I mean, it's just the... one trailer. I'm sure, you know, they'll have Buddy Cole out there doing his thing and, you know, McKinney doing those terrible characters no one likes. They'll, they'll, they'll be there. Don't worry. <laughs> Well, Jared, we talked about the new Kids in the Hall, but let's start talking about the old Kids in the Hall. Let's go let's back do it, to Nick. March 19, 1991. Number one of the charts in the U.S. and Canada. Our old friend Mariah Carey with mm. Someday. The diva of divas herself, Nick. Mariah Carey. What's that YouTube video she's somewhat famous for where she's, uh, or is that somebody else, where she's screaming and she can't see the, no, 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 that's Patti Lapone. that's Patti Lapone. Uh, that's where oh. she can't hear anything and she's, she's screaming for cues from the audience and no one's helping her out, it's a very funny video. Um, really? Yeah, that's all I got on Mariah Carey though, what about you? Okay, um, let's see, well, my sister was a big Mariah Carey fan. Um, and that's all I have on Mariah Carey too. What about she that was a star juicy, of a movie? gossipy relationship she had with one Nick Cannon, improv legend Nick Cannon from Wild and Out? What do you think about that relationship? I was not aware that there was gossip around it. I I remember oh, well, that just she, that I thought was, she was you know, in all the rags. Is she no longer with him? Uh, no, no, I don't. I don't believe so. No, I I think he's. Okay. Uh, yeah, I know he's 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 well past her, and she's well past him. Um, That's good. I wish Amay was here to talk about this. She'd probably know star, more. Star of Glitter. Star of Glitter. Star of Glitter. Yes, of course. Of course. Now, would you prefer on any given day to watch Glitter or Crossroads? Oh, jeez. Two well, I haven't divas seen either. from two different eras. Okay, okay. Um. So, good. Perfect. This question's perfect, then. <laughs> Glitter seems like maybe it would be more fun in a in a, wow this is a crazy movie kind of a way. Uh huh. Uh huh. But okay. I don't I don't know why I think that. I guess just because Mariah Carey seems 
like a bigger personality than Britney Spears, at least back then. Yeah, I don't I know. Think, what do you think? I think you're correctly worried that uh, the Britney movie would just basically be a piece of shit with no sort of ironic value to it. Like you mm-hmm. wouldn't be able to enjoy it on any level. Whereas, whereas glitter, I feel like you might. You might have a little so bad it's good kind of stuff in there. And and I think it's just honestly probably more fun to watch Mariah Carey sing than it is to watch Britney Spears sing. Um, yes, she's a better singer. She's a better singer. Yeah. Yes. I think us two are, I don't know if we're the most qualified, but we're pretty, <laughs> we're up there to decide who, who, who's got the singing chops. Well, mm-hmm. speaking of things coming out of your mouth, this first sketch from the episode <laughs> is called Report, and it's about Bruce McCullough's character has a report that he coughs up out of his mouth, uh, like a, an office report of some kind. Oh, yeah, let's yeah. watch the very beginning of the sketch. Ah, here he is. Oh, there he Good is. Good morning, gentlemen. Morning, Joe. What do you got for us? Uh, some coffee. You know, there's nothing like coffee first thing in the morning or any time of the day, really. You know, coffee, cream, stir stick, the whole coffee experience. I gotta go, though, now, because, you know, I gotta work, work, work. You know me always. Uh, Joe, do you have the report? Do you have the report? <coughs> and he continues to cough. And sure. And coughs up the report. He's wearing a double-breasted suit here. You ever yes. wear a double-breasted suit? You know, never, never. I mean, unless it was for like a costume such as this context. Um, no, it feels either, you know, you're a real gangster from the 40s or, yes. you know, you're a real kind of old school businessman. Those are the really only types I can think of. That were, I mean, is there any real reason in 2022 to just wear a double-breasted suit for real? Well, I'm, I mean, I'm sure it's there's... It's got. It must have gone in and out of fashion at some point in the last few years, right? It feels like fashion is at this point. Fashion is just uh, can be anything, you know. So it's like it feels cyclical to me. It's like I feel like the the recent trend again, not the best source for this information, but I feel like the most recent trend is like two thousands. <laughs> That's what I keep hearing. Everyone's like into fashion from the aughts as like a throwback. Which makes me, you know, obviously feel like a piece of shit just uh, because, you know, I feel like it's the year 2000. Now, all of a sudden, it's old school. Um, I still, so, I to don't me, think I, I feel like it's cyclical. What... Like, in 20 years, it'll be... 20, the, now is cool. You know what I mean? I, I don't think I can pinpoint what 2000s fashion is exactly. I think I don't have <laughs> enough distance from it. I think, like, dumbass, like, neon green, like... Like hot topicy sort of shit, you know, like like when we were thirteen, basically, it's like that. Well, I'm older than you, but okay. Well, me when I was thirteen, <laughs> <laughs> like uh, you know, um, kind of like that uh, when Woodstock '99 was up and running. Did you see that documentary recently about uh, all the? Crazy, I haven't seen. It. I know what you're talking about, but there. that was from '99. But anyway. No, 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 I know, but it, it's, a, it's a similar, it's a, it, if you look at kids in, in that kind of era, you'll see some Backstreet Boy stuff, some boy band stuff that's sort of mixed in there too, I think. Uh, We're getting but you're topic. right, we are getting way off topic. I we want to talk about the double-breasted suit. Um, we were distracted and, by the double-breasted suit. Um, <laughs> no, that's what we want to talk about. It, it, it's, I guess it's like a, it was, it came into fashion again in the 80s, right? With the like Wall Street types, like. And yeah, like a Michael like, Douglas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I can kind of picture Pat Riley wearing one, maybe, but I don't know if that's Oh, true. sure. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hair slicked back, um, you know, coaching his team to victory. That's the Pat Riley I know. Um, yeah. You know, it's uh, <laughs> it's funny. It's got this kind of like 
that this is the kind of suit I picture when there's like a men's warehouse ad or something. You know, like this oh, is the really? kind of like suit like selling suits. This it's is like what a power I think of. suit, also, right? Like yeah, you. you <laughs> right, right. It's a power. You stri- suit. You're, stri- you're striking fear in the in the hearts and minds of your of your opponents on the battlefield. That is that is work. That is the office. That's right. Like if you had some guy like on the street, no money, no 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 house, no car, no nothing, and you wanted to sell him like the billionaire millionaire kind of Donald Trump fantasy, mm-hmm. right? You know, you get to be a, a millionaire. You get to look have a gold house or whatever. This is the kind of suit I'm thinking that they would try to sell you. It, there's something about it that's just like, look at me. Look at how I'm wearing this suit. Very gaudy. And I, I, I think it goes along with their whole yes. fuck businessmen idea in that they're very into themselves and they very just want to be seen as businessmen. And this is kind of the uniform right here, right? The double breast. Do you think... Do you, when you're wearing a double-breasted suit, do you ever unbutton the buttons? Like, if you sit down <laughs> to eat, do you... Like, I know with, like, a normal suit, you, um, you like, you, you, you kind of always have the top button buttoned until you, right. you're sitting down, then you unbutton Th- that button. That's right. That's right. And but, what's the deal with the double-breast? You know, I don't know. I I assume the same rule, but for two? But that's all I could come up with. Um, it would just look so strange. Uh, maybe not. It, maybe Can I we get a look here? Difference. Does he... It's hard to even see... If he's got buttons here, um, and it looks like they're oh, all they're all double breasted, right? They're all <laughs> McKinney certainly is. <laughs> McKinney is sitting down. It does look like he, he's he's buttoned up in a double breasted suit, and I think McDonald uh, has it too. So uh, he's no, he does. McDonald well, anyway. does as well. I think anyway. so. Um, we're getting off track. What do you think of this sketch, Jared? Well, Nick, now that we've just started talking about the sketch, why don't we get into it? Um, I thought it was going to be, you know, I I didn't anticipate the the, the payoff or the punchline. I thought he would just kind of be coughing basically nonstop throughout the whole thing, kind of clearing his throat. I like this idea of like, you know, instead of saying like, uh, like Mark, you know, trying to cover up somebody and say the name at the same time, this notion of just doing it. In perpetuity, just (laughs) clearing your throat forever, I think is really funny. Um, But this sort of, I guess, wasn't that. It was more just like a long setup to get to the payoff of him spitting up the report, which was fun. It got a huge reaction from the crowd. Um, Bigger than, I I think, maybe anything we've ever seen on the show. And I Really? Let's let's watch it. I I, want to see how big it was. Yeah. So the report flies presumably out of Bruce's mouth and it's wet and sticky and sticks right. to the wall. See, we don't see that. It's right, presumably, because what we see is just a smash cut and then the paper flies covered in saliva against the wall in a close up. We get the huge pop, and then it's just there. And, and and part of that, seeing that sequence makes me wonder, Nick, what did it look like? And I wish we had some yeah, sort of segment where we could actually uncover the answers to these questions. Um, but a lot of times I see stuff in Kids in the Hall, and I do wonder, what did the live audience see <laughs> as this yeah, was happening? Yeah. And it must have been something to get that kind of reaction, or, or right? I mean, I, I just wonder how they what this looked like in the room. I, I couldn't really kind of piece it together. 
Yeah, I, I will, I'm wondering the same thing. I, I wish this one, and maybe I should have checked. Maybe this did have a uh, a commentary track, but mm. I, let me. I, I'll go through this real quick and see if it did. And no, the affair did though. I should have watched the com. I didn't watch the commentary track for the affair. Oh no. Well, maybe I'll do that well, after the episode. You'll punch in. You'll say, "Hey guys, it's me, Nick." <laughs> um, <laughs> I've got some information. I've done some research and I wanted to just drop this in and then, uh, yeah. And then it'll be a more complete episode. That doesn't give you yes, any more I, work, right? <laughs> just do research and cut yourself in after the fact. But I do wonder what, what the crowd did see. They must, they must've just shown, they must've shown something. They must've, I mean, they, we, we saw the report fly against the wall. So they must've also seen that. Anyway, what they probably saw was a guy, he was coughing and someone standing behind McCullough probably chucked it or something. And like, yeah, and then they got the whole, you know, they understood what was going to happen. But (laughs) it was almost like the reaction was almost like he actually did cough that shit up or something or like he (laughs) barfed for real or something like they completely lost it. Um, And, you know, whatever the joke, I'm sure if you read this script, you'd be like, okay, it's fine. You know, and that, yeah. that, that's kind of what I came away with thinking about it. It's it was it was okay. Yeah. Well, let's let's watch a little bit from the, the Return of Simon and Hecubus in the Pit of Ultimate Darkness. That's this one is right. Called, this one is called Gandar. Did they? I'm not sure why. Did they mention Gandar and I missed it at some point? I don't recall hearing Gandar. I would have named it Tony Henderson because that's the name that I picked up on the most. Um, that's what they. <laughs> yeah. That's what McKinney Straight Man character is named. Uh, no. I didn't hear that at all. But well, let's uh, watch a clip from it. The, the Simon and Hecubus, played by uh, Kevin McDonald's and uh, Dave Foley, are hypnotizing Mark McKinney's character, right? which was Joe Henderson. You said uh, Tony Henderson. Tony Henderson. Okay. Tony Henderson, please stop giggling. Now you are a chicken. He is a chicken. And in a moment we will wake you. But from now on, please stop giggling. Whenever you hear this phrase. Are you sure that's the phrase? Whenever you hear the phrase, she shall, she shall, but the sea sorry. She shall, she la, shana is my favorite group. Whenever you hear that phrase, you will turn back into a chicken. Yeah, did it seem like they kind of built, wrote the whole sketch around that idea of, of uh, the seashells of, thing? Yeah, the, of the seashell. Uh, Tongue twister being the the key yeah, phrase, the tournament that, ch- chicken. That kind of felt a little off game, to be honest with you. I mean, just to be honest with you, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pull any punches here. I'm not gonna. Oh, thank you for lies. your honesty. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, yeah, you know, Hecubus, and I know that's an that's an old name. Uh, there were some other bits in here. I like. I loved all of the McKinney stuff. The stuff that I thought was most on game was McKinney comes up and they say, what's your name? And he says, uh, my name's uh, Tony Henderson. <laughs> and he keeps this very like straight line, like very baseline, uh, you know, uh, just, 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 just tone. And whenever he's speaking, very casual laughing at them. I thought McKinney kind of made the sketch, but he played right. it very real. Like he played it very much like yes. somebody being pulled up from the crowd who doesn't necessarily want to and kind of thinks the whole thing is lame. Yeah, like he and, it and was very, very realistic scared, portrayal, right? Like very, yeah. very like like 
completely painting this as uh, fell evil because like it's obviously not affecting him, and that's why we understand it's not evil. You know, the seashells thing. It was okay. I mean, they really wanted to get that Shanana joke in there. I thought that that felt like sort of a reach. It was fun, but, you know, whatever. Um, That's not how you would mispronounce that tongue twister <laughs> if you had to read the tongue twister. You, it, it would have been a much... I think it would have been a better joke if if uh, Kevin McDonald had done had been like, she tells you by, by the sea... Like, if he just stumbled on his words instead of, like, saying Shanana and, like, just totally Correct. messing it up. Sometimes mm. with a sketch, I feel like the whole has to be better than the sum of its parts. And you think of a really great joke and you think, oh, well, this is a great joke. Why wouldn't I put this in? But sometimes it just interrupts the flow or it's not on game. And a really a great joke can kind of fuck up a sketch. <laughs> and I'm not saying the Shenanah joke was fantastic in and of itself or anything. <laughs> but it did kind of make you think like, oh, OK. Like I was removed instantly. I was like, oh, OK. McDonald like thought of this. You know, it's OK. It, it's a reach. It's sort of funny. But no, totally taken out of this world. And I, I thought, I don't know. This, this is the only second iteration that I've seen of this uh, recurring sketch. But. A little disappointing. I liked McKinney, but the whole Hecubus, I think, you know, Foley getting his own round of applause for showing up as Hecubus. It's like, really? Like the, the secondary recurring characters now were like <laughs> giving a victory lap just for showing up? I don't know. It, I, Do you think I, Tony I, Henderson will get a bigger round of applause next time he shows I up? I love Tony Henderson. To me, this was the Tony Henderson sketch. I thought he did a great job. Um, yeah, it was weird. I, they I, also I, have this. I, sorry, go ahead. Well, I did want to say uh, I liked how it, normally it's something that I always say, but it seems like whenever the kids have a a role that should be played more straight and be the person that the comedy is, is bouncing off of, they they tend to like really ham it up and try to try to be the funny one themselves, right? With, with every opportunity they get, and and yeah, McKinney played it really straight here. McKinney did a really good job. He even did a good job on one of, I think, the better jokes in the sketch where they have him repeat that, like, like, oh, what on yes, I am, or whatever. And he's like, oh, well, oh what an ass I am. And they're like, ah, yeah. you said, oh, what an ass I am. He's, he did it very funny, still, again, very grounded. McKinney making, I think, all the humor in this sketch work. Um, but I don't know. It's weird, the framing of this sketch, where it's like the whole joke is they're putting on, like, a show that's, like, disappointing i guess right <laughs> like, yeah, like mcdonald so. wants it to be really evil and then it's never evil it's always bullshit evil or fake evil or lame or whatever and i think it's sometimes or, or more like yeah it's like the little things are the yeah i don't know exactly how they how how they would frame it or it's you know like a uh, crypt keeper evil or like are you afraid of the dark evil it's like halloween evil it's like fake but evil, i think it's basically. also supposed to be like evil in the little things like that's uh, true yeah that i'll buy that yeah mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. like I, 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 and I think he does because they come back to the sketch later in the episode and when kevin mcdonald is trying to read this the the uh, tongue twister he turns to hecubus and says evil like <laughs> as though he because I, I i i feel like they should have yes. said that here like sort they, of desperate to be evil i think is part of it right yeah and they and dave foley's character came up with that tongue twister to fuck with Kevin McDonald's character, and that's the evil. That's evil, you know? I don't know. Right. Because they, they do kind of have an antagonistic relationship, usually, Simon and Hecubus. That's yeah, right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Well, all I would say is that it's odd to have this sketch structure where they're trying to put on a show, and it, like, 
intentionally falls flat as the joke because I think a lot of times the audience in this sketch like didn't know how to react. <laughs> like if it, like if a joke flopped or it didn't work or something was an evil and McDonald was disappointed, the crowd was kind of like, oh yeah, right, yeah. <laughs> like there were weren't many good moments uh, for the audience to be queued up to laugh in this, so it was you know it was okay. This next one I yeah, really this, liked. I guess let's watch. This is Mr. Heavyfoot. Uh, and it's almost entirely uh, visual, but I'll play a little bit so we can hear the music, the, the Mr. Heavyfoot music. So it says Mr. Heavyfoot runs a marathon. <laughs> and it's pretty good physical comedy from Dave great. Foley. Really uh, great. Very, really struggling to to lift his feet up and walk in this marathon. And I the punchline just... at the end of it is that he crosses the the finish line for the marathon a year later. For the he's at the starting line for the 1990 <laughs> marathon and crosses the finish line for the 1991 oh, marathon. I don't even know if I picked up on that that it was 1991 when he finished. Yeah, because a bunch of runners run past him. Uh, well, that I and saw. they cross the finish line. So right. those were the. Those were the 1991 marathon runners. Oh, I thought he just got lapped or something. I didn't. I didn't see the. Oh. Um. Yeah, I had to like go back and make sure I was right about that. But but I remember. Yeah, there it goes. First oh yeah, line. yeah, that's funny. <laughs> I thought that first wide shot. I mean, I could have just watched that for hours. I mean, just I, I was <laughs> laughing out loud just at his uh, short. You know, perfect funny crystallized one joke like just a really good sort of i guess would you call it maybe a blackout i know they and i know they bring it back sort of as a pseudo runner in this episode but when i when i first saw it i didn't know that that was going to happen and i was so satisfied with just that (laughs) i think it's just such a dumb silly good short simple well-executed joke and you're right foley's so funny in it he's so funny and they frame it as a french I guess as a French comedy short film, right? That's the idea, because it, it's they have like a, this. Uh, yeah, right. The, the, what is the text that at the in beginning? French. Right. To me, it's like it's like this is maybe something like a French comedy thing you would see on PBS or something. Interesting. Interesting. But is, it's funny. Is like it they like, could have just mm-hmm. they could have made it. They didn't need to make it like a foreign, uh, a parody of foreign comedy. I guess because it, it, it is just funny on its own. Mr. Heavyfoot runs a mar- right, and then it has it in yeah, MP de la Dore Court un Marathon, and 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 you're saying this is this is specifically a parody of something like where they used to. I don't know if it's if it's something specific. I don't uh-huh. know if it's something specific. I guess I could what? have looked that up as well. Yeah, I don't know if it's something spe- if it's just even a random detail to kind of give you that vibe of like a old Charlie Chaplin thing. Although I don't know why that would have foreign subtitles. I'm trying to think of a comic of that era who would be in like foreign films uh but it was chaplin-esque as far as like the outfit and the movements were concerned um i don't know but uh hopefully our audience will reach out to us and uh you know hit up our Wait, PO box did... and let us know yeah <laughs> oh yeah and email said kids in the pod at gmail.com if you please so okay so this is what i was thinking I just found somebody, uh, this is a blog called Topless Robot. Uh, they said, uh, Mr. Have you f- both a tribute to and a skewering of Mr. Bean-esque comedy, which 
it does uh, I see. kind of seem Mr. Bean. And it, it that's what I was kind of thinking of when I, thought, when I thought PBS. Because I used to watch Mr. Bean on PBS. Um, and, this and it is, is that silent, and, silent physical comedy. Right. And a man in a suit. But the, but the foreign language, that's a Bean thing? No, but it is foreign. I mean, Mr. Bean is, you know, British, obviously. Sure, sure. Well, well, but uh, yeah, I I, 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 I love it. I, I love it. Yeah, I do it, do it a million times. Um, By the way, this this uh, French font here, the, the 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 font of the French text, it looks just like the Full House font. Yes, <laughs> it does. It does look exactly like the Full House font. Um, a connection, perhaps? Maybe some Is that uh, intentional? some foreshadowing yes. of a of a very popular series to come. I don't know. Um, are we, have we looked in the crowd? Are there any Olsen, Sagitts, uh, <laughs> um, else? So they, 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 they did do another one. Of, I think they do this. They do Mr. Happyfoot a few more times, uh, but they do bring him back in the next or later in the episode <laughs> for when he buys a, a, a car and basically just. Uh, yeah. He, do we talk about that now? Heavy, so it's very, yeah, I may as well talk about it now. He speeds away. What would you think of that one? Not Maybe my not favorite. Good. Not my yeah. favorite. I mean, I mean, it seemed. Uh, I, I, what I really did like was the um, whoever was playing that like used car salesman, like talking yeah. to him, getting him into the car. Uh, was that McCullough? I'm trying to figure. I'm, I wrote no, it, down it was here just somewhere. some. It was just some just, random guy. It just some random uh, guy. Very funny. Like the dialogue basically was reduced to noises, and the guy was basically going like, eh, eh. <laughs> Like, not really saying anything other than being like a swarmy sort of, you know, like I said, used car salesman wearing the plaid suit, the whole nine. And he was very funny. And then, yeah, the payoff was just sort of fully driving fast and stopping fast. I mean, we kind of knew that was going to happen. I'm surprised they didn't come up with something else. uh, Yeah, because, I mean, the, 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 the charm of this character is the physical comedy. Right. Not so much the, uh, exploring the possibilities of what would happen to a man with a heavy foot. We really just want to see the, him walking That's with right. heavy foot. We just want to see his cement shoes and watch him try to move his entire body weight and shift it from one side to the other. That, that's that's the fun here. Um, I agree. But kind of a weird we see, non-joke at the end. Yeah. We, we see him again later in the, in the series, and I, I, oh, I, I, I remember some funny ones. But, yeah, let's move on to this Bruce McCullough monologue about jazz. Sure. I'll play, I'll play a clip from the beginning here. Wow. One thing I hear a lot is people say, Bruce, what's this with you and jazz? What's the beef with you and jazz music? I say, well, I really hate jazz. They say, what do you hate about poor old jazz? I say, the sound. The sound that jazz instruments make when they're being manipulated by jazz players for the delight of jazz respondents i think of it as musical barf some really interesting camera work there very the very fun and weird yeah like zooming in of, and out but using the like the what what is that called when you're i think there's push- dollying i i believe they're they zooming and dollying and dollying at the same time, at the same time. Yeah. yes that yes. kind of vertigo effect why I don't I don't know. <laughs> I think just because it's jazz and you know it's, it's like free kind of flowing, it gets just, you off kilter a little bit. That's fair, I guess. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, and then we also like have these two one? jazz yeah. musicians playing in the background, just two yeah. old, old men. Very kind of like Fred Armisen feeling, like almost pretend jazz musicians. Um, but they're real, right? I mean, there's 
presumably. <laughs> yeah, there's no joke to them. They're just out there playing, and then they sound nice, and they work for the sketch, and it does kind of give it a, not just jazz, but more of like a poetry slam sort of vibe in a way to me. You know, like he, uh, it works particularly for his monologue. Um, I do wonder if he really does dislike jazz. It, he seems like the kind of guy that would love jazz, Bruce McCullough. You know, I don't know either. I feel like I feel like jazz is just one of those things where it's fun to hate or it's a cliche to hate or you know, and it's you know, whatever. It's it's got songs that are twenty minutes long and there are no choruses and verses and there's rarely lyrics and I understand why you you know, the average person would hate it, but uh you're right. It's hard to pick up on whether this is genuine or not. It's not like a Scott Thompson thing where you're thinking like everything this guy says he he either believes or he believes on what he's commenting on. Whereas McCullough, yeah. you feel like I don't know that this could maybe just he just thinks this is funny. Apparently, um, his dad his dad was a, a jazz I don't know jazz musician or just a jazz fan. He was big into jazz, so maybe it's kind of like a thing where my dad liked it, so I hate it. Right? But, uh, yeah, I, well, I, I saw in the biography here. Bruce says uh, he he was into a lot of weird shit because my dad was a jazz cat, so a little <laughs> of that stuff has influenced me. Then he also says. Uh, one of his pieces is called Never Trust. I'm not, I, I don't remember that one, but he says it's just a list of jokes with music underneath it. I found that if you include music, it doesn't feel like just a list of jokes. That's kind of what this was, too. Just like maybe right. not even jokes, <laughs> but a list of statements or not like even ideas, jokes. Thoughts. I mean, the jokes in the, in the very sort of like, uh, you know, kind of modern, uh, like ironically detached, like comedy way of saying something lame and like having it be a joke like he did a lot of like you know jazz schmazz sorry i have to go there but jazz schmazz (laughs) i thought that was really funny but like a lot of it is again like anti-humor he's very just like you know i haven't given suicide a chance only when i was presented with jazz or whatever like he's just doing very easy non-jokes about how it sucks and that's kind of the whole idea um yeah but I don't know. I mean, it, w- it was funny to me at the end where he was like, in heaven, there's only country and Western music. And the whole crowd was like, oh, no, no. Boo. <laughs> like, they, it was like, even then, there was this whole stigma with country music where like, no, no. Oh, God, I hate country music. Anybody who's sort of cool hates country music. Yeah. Um, which I found kind of funny. Um, I, I probably like, yeah, in like a, a big city Toronto crowd, people would hate. That makes sense. Right. Uh, uh, did you did you pick up on any of the like details here? What I mean, did you did you agree as far as like these platitudes that he's throwing out that they're sort of like dumb non observations? <laughs> yeah, and some of it was just like uh, totally absurd, like him saying that he'll be awakened by <laughs> people doing their Gene Krupa beat out on the street. You know, like right. I don't think that actually happens. Um, but no, I, I like the, I mean, to me, whenever Bruce McCullough talks like this and just yeah, goes on his little flights this, of right? fancy, I, I like it. Yeah. I think at one point he says, what do you, what, what, what do I hate? The sound, the sound that jazz instruments make. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Um, what do you know? We, we, we dove into the whole double breasted suit. What do we think of his, his look here in the jazz sketch? He's got kind of like a. It almost has like a very classic 80s vibe to me, like a blue sleeve long and then like matching very tight denim jeans <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> my, on my collar. It's like it's kind of a and then also they both sort the of have turtlenecks. Turtleneck like well. the in, 
Yes, the, the the musicians have a turtleneck, and he sort of has a turtleneck. And, I think uh, his is a mock turtleneck. I'm not his is positive. mock. Okay, okay. Um, I do These like are the real composition of it. Like we mentioned, the the you know the zollies and stuff, and the camera work, and the musicians, and like there were fun little details of this. This could have been sort of nothing production wise, but I thought like it created a fun mood. And in these yeah. monologues, sometimes like that's kind of it hangs on that, right? You need that like atmosphere and that sort of music and just set up to like pay attention to a guy just talking for 10 minutes like and i think it was a fun i I remember his last uh monologue where he did about like shakespeare right and he's like outside in the garden it's sort of like a romeo and juliet take you you remember that monologue uh oh kind of i don't i I don't really remember it was sort of like a pseudo soliloquy uh that was kind of making fun of shakespeare in the same way that this sort of makes fun of jazz um and it was similar in that it was just well executed. Like he was out there and you were thinking like, oh, it's sort of like he's in a Shakespeare in the park sort of, you know, setting and it all kind of clicks. And yeah, I don't know. I, I love I love his monologues always seem to have a fun visual element tied into it. Yeah. Even just this framing of like him in the blue in between these two old men in, in the red was <laughs> right. Interesting it's like I just want to watch this. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, so then we had the callback to Simon and Hecubus where McKinney <laughs> remembers he had a, he had a bad. Oh, yeah. And, the, and well, what, like they're kind of some summation of right. why this was evil was also I think that was kind of the game that they usually follow. It was this thing. This whole uh, little escapade of theirs was evil because he was, he's going to be distracted at work thinking about the, the show. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I did like this joke um, where, you know, you close up on McKinney and you see like he's thinking in his head like, you right, are right, now right. a chicken. You are now a chicken. And then who is that? Uh, sorry, I just thinking about the worst hypnotist I ever saw, you know, the other day. <laughs> <laughs> a complete reversal on that was I thought was pretty funny. Um, well, watch. let's watch a little bit from this is oh a very boy. quick thing. We'll just watch the introduction of this Touch Bellini contest. Paul Bellini. As some of you keeners might remember, the Kids in the Hall launched the Touch Paul Bellini contest. The contest in which you, the viewer, could win an opportunity to touch Paul Bellini. <laughs> well, the response was overwhelming, with over 12,000 callers calling in the first two and a half seconds alone from all over the United States. But, unfortunately, there can only be one winner. The prize himself, Paul Bellini, selected the winner out of a hat. And that winner of this year's 1990 Touch Paul Bellini contest is... <laughs> this gal, Rebecca Klatka of St. Petersburg, Florida. So I, I looked it up and apparently there was an American winner and a Canadian winner. And depending on which oh, country wow. you're in, they aired different ones. So it, Charles Hitchcock of Perth Andover, New Brunswick was the Canadian winner. So... That's wonderful. Kudos to them for, I guess, they end up touching him or are they, they yep. I assume they're on the show. Okay. Okay. Good. Yeah. We'll see um, that eventually. All of the stuff in this is really funny. This fake tuxedo thing he walks into is really the hands on it. Make me laugh a lot. Um, they're like very stiff. <laughs> yeah. The photos of the kids. This the photo is, is funny. This looks kind of like an authentic kind of, you know, production photo where they're all in the middle of doing something and then they wanted to get that and then they got it so that was fun uh the phone like where they're all sitting by the phones they all kind of had that was sort of funny um 
Maybe that wasn't that funny. That's just something I remembered and said it was funny. <laughs> um, yeah, no, I mean, I'm excited to see how this plays out. It's kind of hard for me to judge without knowing what happens at the end and if these people, how these people get on and what happens. But uh, yeah, it's a silly, like funny it. premise. We, we've we've talked about it before. It's a very Letterman-y type of talk show yeah, yeah. thing, and it's very I like Letterman-y. it. I like the idea. Um, and here's a film piece. Yeah, let's watch a, a clip from The Affair. <laughs> what are we doing? This is crazy. We're involved in craziness. Your wife, my husband, I think he knows. We've got to talk. I felt like that was like the the most full joke from that sketch. (laughs) Yeah, what do you think the the game is in this sketch? I was trying to. I was. I was pontificating on this before we started, and I was. I. I, I'm wondering what you think. I don't know if I would say there was. A game exactly. It was more just like uh, it was. Uh, Do you mind if I propose one? Yeah, yeah. You propose the game. I I was thinking either crystallized affair or dumbed down affair or like simplified mm. affair. It seemed like what we were watching were all the core elements presented in like a very hit you over the head cliched way. Like yeah, he sees her. You know, it's like. You have a husband. I have a wife. And then, like, <laughs> when they have sex, it's very like ah ah, <laughs> very like not real sex. Just like we're having sex and it's over. And it's like it just seemed like they went deliberately from step to step, shoving in your face like the requirements of having an affair and like leaving it at that sort of shallow, I guess, vapid, like I don't know, the yeah, core no, elements of an affair, something like that. Because that that that's what I kept getting. I was trying to search for like something else or another angle on it or like what kind of affair it is but it seems like the kind of affair that it is is just like an affair <laughs> like a very yeah. basic affair and then they just kind of ham up the sh- when they're doing stuff and then that yeah. kind of feels like what it is but unless What's i unless, pres- I'm, i don't know I, I i did wonder if there were elements of parody to it that i didn't understand right you know were they right. parodying something oh you think like some sort of movie or something yeah um or like a genre of film like a like a independent independent like a uh, 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 mm-hmm. dramatic like a style movies. or whatever yeah i mean maybe well they brought back the ponytail guy right that's isn't that a character Darryl, yeah they brought back Darryl, <laughs> Darryl as the husband of this of this woman uh, and wasn't that was Darryl's Trace... whole thing wasn't he like a cuck in his first <laughs> well he was sketch. yeah basically he was trying to he was on a date and uh i think it was scott thompson's character picked up his date um, right yeah, Trace, th- this woman is played by Tracy Wright, who was a Canadian, like, uh, I think apparently she was, like, involved in experimental theater. She was a friend of the of the kids in the hall. She's good. Yeah. Uh, I, I, did, I did think this was maybe the most we've seen of non-kids in the hall performers on the show in any episode. Because we also had the jazz musicians. We had a... Uh, mm, mm. I feel like there right. was another one. Well, was the car just, guy. 
The car guy. That was the other. The car guy. I mean, he or she was the co-star of the scene. This is like by far the most, we've, the biggest role anyone else has had. Right. Uh, yeah. No, and she does great. Um, she's right there with McCullough on like the, you know, the terrified, like angry faces that they make at each other while they're fucking. Um, they also, again, trying to go along with my game of like the core elements or whatever. It was that classic cliche thing of like, well, if they're not having the affair, they look at each other and now they look like they're out of shape and they're disgusted with their bodies or whatever. And and McCullough was doing great at that and she was doing great at that. Like they both had very funny. I mean, it was mostly sound effects, to be fair. <laughs> but yeah. like when they flicked their bellies and their asses and shit, I thought that was making me laugh. I thought that that was well done. I mean, very simple. But like, again, I think that's the point. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, I do wonder. I do wonder what. To, to me, it's just like I always look at these Bruce, Bruce McCullough sketches as just him like filtering things through his worldview. Like this mm-hmm. filtering, like this is kind of like how I see an affair going. Is this kind of stylized right. and staccato kind of uh, staccato kind of dialogue and like very all the characters talk like him or not all the characters. Daryl doesn't talk like him, but the the person he's having an affair with does. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, I think it's a very McCullough thing to like subtract details from a situation <laughs> and just like yeah. go very heavy handed with every single element of it. Um, yeah, there was, I wrote down. I don't I don't remember even what the blackout was, but I did write down what an odd blackout that even the audience seems confused by. Um, what well, was, was it, it when <laughs> when they revealed that Daryl is also having an affair? Oh yeah, like yeah, like the real pulls his shirt, and there's a lipstick like kiss mark by his crotch, I guess. And so, what is that now? So, who's he fucking? Well, just I, somebody I else, we and he's having his own affair, and that's why he starts flexing. It just felt like they wanted us to care about Daryl. <laughs> <laughs> And maybe the audience didn't quite catch on that he was a recurring or important character that they just dropped in sort of out of nowhere. Right. I'm, I don't even know if he needed to be a recurring character. And it might not even, they might not even call him the real here. I don't know. But uh, no, I don't yeah, think they and do. The, and then the affair flashes on the screen. Was that the first yeah. time the affair comes on screen or that come on? No, I think in the earlier? beginning too. Yeah. I think right. In the beginning too. It kind of, yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's, it, I mean, it, to me, it kind of felt like a horror movie at the end where it's like, and the and also the killer is still alive, that kind of thing. Right. I don't know if that's it did kind of have for. that vibe where like it was. Fu- yes. Yes, I agree. Almost like a yeah, like a classic like detective movie or noir movie like ending of like dun dun dun. It's like, oh, yeah. shit. You know, like the guy who's who's, you know, his who, who's being cheated on is cheating on his spouse. Oh my god! But that I doesn't just, strike me I, as I, funny. <laughs> I wish I had. I wish I had listened to that commentary track so we could have some insight into <laughs> what they were thinking. I mean, it's on kinda, this. the fact that you have it and you brought it up so much kind of gives us enough material to work with. I mean, this this episode is basically fifty percent you not watching the commentary and talking about <laughs> it. So, in a way, it, it's helped. Well, let's watch um, a little bit from this last sketch called Queen to Queen. Okay, great. Dearest Butterick, it's us again. We are fine. Mother is fine. Mother is fine. And Charles keeps nagging me to abdicate. But 
Butterick. It is my youngest, Edward, who concerns me at this juncture. For I fear that he might be, frankly, of a delicate nature. You know, not on the team, as they say. So, yes, this is the Queen having a pen pal correspondence with Buddy Cole about Prince Edward possibly being gay. Yeah, Queen Elizabeth II, you know, still a pop culture figure then, still a pop culture figure now. I mean, Netflix show is huge. Um, I mean, it's 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 endless material coming out of these royals, and I'm glad the kids in the hall have taken their... Do you think their Canadian background has kind of uh, informed their sense of, I don't know, some sort of adversarial relationship with, with, with the... Is this the first royals sketch they've done? Well, the Queen has been on the show before. Oh, you missed it, I guess. Oh, um, did I? Oh, okay. When the, uh, the first, it's a fact sketch. The one of them was about the Queen and the, oh, and, uh, Scott and it's Thompson, Thompson? Was the Queen. Yeah, and uh, oh, great. He threw a girl. He threw the little. It's a fact girl into the water. That's funny. But yeah, I, I mean, you know, they yeah, they grew up. I don't know if it's adversarial so much as like just uh, or just it like adversarial, as, like it, it would if you were a British person, just in the sense of like you're more likely to want to lampoon them or have some sort right. of comment on them because yeah, that makes sense. Te- technically ruling you. Um, and, and I think at well, this point, Prince Edward was rumored to be gay. Or okay. maybe he still is rumored to be gay. I don't know, but I, I, I was looking it up and it was <laughs> like, there were like rumors. There, there have been always been rumors of this Prince Edward, this Prince Edward character being a, a gay man. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, and maybe that's like what prompted Buddy or Scott Thompson to write this. No, totally. The sketch. I think his impression here is great. Uh, It really makes me laugh. Um, He had a line in the biography about how he somebody told him he looked like the queen. He didn't see it until he actually was in the makeup and everybody gasped (laughs) when they saw him. He he does. He kind of looks like the queen. (laughs) He does. He does kind of look like the queen. it's perfect. And the voice he has down like that, that, that can really turn into like a very cartoony, like getting too high pitched to like, Oh, but, but his is good. Like he keeps it in check. Like it does get a little crazy, but I, I don't, I'm never thinking it's just out of control and weird. I, I, I feel like it's a great lived in character. Butterick to be his like long form <laughs> name, I think is really funny. Now, do you think that is his full name or do you think that's what the queen assumes his full name is? <laughs> do I think that it's the character's name in the reality of the character you're saying? Or do I think that in the reality of the character is, is, is the queen character making it up? I guess, uh, that's an interesting question. I, I I think that if you asked Buddy Cole, he would not say that his full name is Budrick. I think that the Queen is just making that decision. Is that well, less according fun? to according to Uh-oh. the to the Buddy Cole Wikipedia entry? Wow, there's canon on this. I love it. Charles Budrick Buddy Cole is a fictional character <laughs> created and portrayed by Scott Thompson. So wow. yeah, apparently I stand corrected. Budrick is his middle name. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, I, did I tell you I, there's like he wrote a whole uh, like fictional autobiography or fictional memoir about Buddy Cole? It's I like think a, you mentioned that at one point. Yeah, it's yeah. a full on novel. Uh, yeah, yeah. I read it when I was in high school, but I, I I should reread it. I think I'd probably understand a lot more now. Uh, I I would I'd love to check that out. It's a totally uh, 
it's just a, a char- like 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 a, ca- a character monologue, but just like a bunch of them and stretched into like it's a full actual novel, or is it like in parts? Like he does sort of different monologues and sketches. No, I mean it's basically, basically like his so. memoirs. It's like his his whole life story. Wow, you that's know? cool. It was written that's by cool him. And, like he and Paul Bellini. Uh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Well, obviously, sketch characters. You know, it's been proven that certain ones can work well in movies and certain well ones cannot work well in movies but i don't know i can't think of really any other examples of sketch characters writing in books, books about yeah yeah, yeah. can you <laughs> um, i mean there i'm i'm sure there's like you know the hans and franz like you know workout <laughs> guide or some dumbass shit like that but a full novel i i uh, who knows yeah i can't think of another example yeah mm. I mean, it's pretty impressive i think that's really cool yeah yeah that seems hard to do um i i speaking of really cool and probably not that hard to do this dinogram joke um (laughs) is really great i'm really in favor of this you know i was just talking before and i'm gonna go completely against myself about how a sketch the whole should be better than the sum of its parts and certain jokes can kind of go off game and ruin a sketch or whatever this one unless i'm messing something was completely unrelated to what was happening (laughs) i I enjoyed it immensely was it like a callback to the his monologue about dinosaurs? I I, I don't know. I, do you remember that? Do you remember that monologue about di- like about yes, dinosaurs taking over the yeah. the gay club yeah. scene or something? Yes, I remember that. I remember that. So is so so he's just it's just calling back to his other monologue and this. I don't know if it's supposed to be related to that at all or or not. It, it maybe. <laughs> I mean, there was it probably is the same dinosaur suit. I guess, <laughs> but. We're looking at him now. It's so funny. So he's got like a bellhop uniform, right? Like he's working in an old hotel or something. Yeah. And and it's a, just like a gigantic sort of lizard head. Um, and, the, and and it's just, I, I couldn't, I guess you're saying it's just a nod to his previous monologue or maybe a callback to some old thing. But maybe. I laughed when I saw it. You know, I don't, I I, I would love if, it, if the explanation is just, no reason, total, like, data, not, like, weird, just to be weird thing. I would be so down for that. But you're right. It's probably some, because they're so into calling back and <laughs> we just talked about Darrell and, like, the audience probably have no idea or caring that it is Darrell. They love their own world that they've created. Um, so whatever. Either way, I appreciated it. Yeah. Well, should we, should we wrap it up, uh, Jared? Should we do this the, the, the big segment that everybody came for the one that everyone loves and come and came for sure yeah i could do that one uh let's see let me just think of the theme song okay got it sketch of the app it's the sketch of the app come on down it's the sketch of the app nick what do you got what's yours you know i think it has to be i feel like maybe i didn't give the affair the, the attention that it deserves maybe i was a little distracted mm. when i was watching it and i can't wait to listen to that commentary track and see if i get a better appreciation <laughs> for it but I'm going to have to give it to the Mr. Heavyfoot uh, runs a marathon. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I'm going to have to do the same. I mean, like I said, that not just sketch, but I think just that even even less than that, just that shot, that first shot <laughs> uh, is all you need. It's very, very funny. And that is what made me laugh the most by far. I'm trying to look for an honorable mention since we just picked the same very short sketch. Um, I think, you know, jazz, I like, yeah, I like, I, I mean, like jazz, jazz music a lot too. 
Bruce's this was kind beef of a- with Jazz made me made me laugh, but uh, you know, yeah, no, heavy foot for the win to me. Yeah, I was gonna say it was a Bruce heavy episode, but really he just had the. I guess he had two big sketches in there because one of a monologue. Anytime you get a monologue, it kind of that's a. I feel like that's a big deal. Your face, your face is right there. You're yeah, directly addressing think, the audience. And then the affair think, was so was obviously such was a, all McCullough, right? Yeah. I think you know Foley was maybe a little understated. He had a few backup roles. I think, but McKinney, he did have the sketch of the app. What's that? He did have the sketch of the app, though. That's true. That's true. I guess it was pretty well balanced. I was going to say that McKinney was sneaky good and that he had a bunch of like supporting roles that he did very well on. Maybe McDonald was maybe my my LVP in in this episode. Is that um, going to be a, is this the segment the least, the LVP of the episode? <laughs> Such a negative segment. <laughs> well, I'd be happy to give MVP as well unless you wanted to do only LVP and we just uh <laughs> I don't know. I, I I already know our listeners get on us for not liking the show that we agreed to recap. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so maybe LVP isn't the best move. Um, well, look, MVP. I think I, I I feel biased in giving it to McCullough since I think he's just my out and out favorite. Um, oh, he is. But I I think so. I think wow, so. Okay. Huh. I mean, I, I think it's been it's been a while here now, and I've I've been weighing the pros and cons internally and. And I feel like it's always been uh, basically a, 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 you know, a photo finish between, uh, I would say, McCullough and Foley. Oh, not um, even Thompson. Like, yeah. Thompson is there. Thompson is there. And I really love Thompson. Um, but there's something to me about Thompson where it's like the sketches are basically him. Like, he basically should have his own show. <laughs> <laughs> like, he's almost... I don't want to say he's better than the rest of them because I don't think that's the case, but he certainly shines in a way that like it feels like he excels when he is separated from the group. Um, and I don't know if that's fair or not, but 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 whatever. His monologues and all of his stuff seems 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 great when he's by himself. And um, so yeah, so that that's the only reason why I wouldn't necessarily say, oh, you're the most valuable of the sketch ensemble. You're the you, you're the overall best. You know, you're lifting everybody else. Where I feel like McCullough does that pretty consistently and uh well yeah. if you he, if you like mccullough i've got mm. a uh i've got a commentary track that you're gonna love to, to watch <laughs> oh, jesus christ <laughs> sure i'll listen to the commentary as long whatever that can get us to stop talking about the commentary track i'll do it listening okay. to it sure i'm in well hey that's the end of the episode uh until next time keep crushing those heads <laughs> <laughs>